afternoon, everyone. Please be seated. This is Judge Stickles. We're on the record in Prime Core Technologies, case number 23-11161. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Your Honor. May it please the Court, may I stand again? Sterling Montgomery on behalf of the debtors. Just to be in the courtroom today are my partners, Karen Abnon and Jill Skiling, and also Duke joined us as well as Mark Chadwell as well. Welcome. Thank you again for shortening time on these big procedures. With that, I will turn it over to Mr. Abnon to walk the Court through the motion. Okay, thank you. Hi, Your Honor. Good afternoon. Darren Abnon, McDermott, Will & Emery, proposed counsel to the debtors. Your Honor, as I discussed with you at the first day hearing, there's really only so much cash in this estate to support a Chapter 11 process, and we only have so much time. So we're moving fast, quickly, not just on the sale process, but as we'll talk about in a little bit, the plan timeline, which I think the committee generally agrees with, as you probably read in their limited objection, and really is in everyone's best interest that we move quickly. Since the committee was appointed, we have been working closely with them. They've retained advisors, counsel, and a financial advisor, and that also has involved discussions on the plan process. As you probably know, we filed a plan and disclosure statement on Friday last week, and we're seeking to have that heard on an expedited timeline. While we ordinarily would have liked to have had a discussion with the committee before filing a plan, like we typically do in every case, we didn't have that luxury here just due to time, and that's really the only reason. We, of course, intend to engage with the committee and their professionals on a plan, and to that end, next week, on Monday, actually, we're having an all-hands meeting in person in New York at our office to discuss, among other things, the plan, and so I'm hopeful that will be a productive dialogue with them. Unless Your Honor has any questions, I'd like to move forward with the only item on today's agenda, which is the bid procedures motion, as well as the two objections that were filed, both of which, by the way, I'm happy to tell you are fully resolved, and so I believe we're fully consensual here today, subject to comments that others may have. Okay. Thank you. Your Honor, I'd first like to move the declaration of Albert Chow into evidence. Mr. Chow is a managing director at Galaxy Digital. Galaxy, as you may recall, is our investment banker for the sale process. Mr. Chow is just seated over here and is available for cross-examination. Your Honor, that declaration was filed at docket number 98. Does anyone object to the admission of the Chow declaration at docket number 98? No, Your Honor. Robert Stark, Brian Rudnick, proposed co-counsel for the official committee. Don't object, but I would ask for an accommodation for this go-round and going forward if Your Honor is willing. Just as a policy matter, when we're dealing with declarations and evidence submitted in writing, our general request is often that it just be for the particular contested matter and not have any impact going forward for other matters as they may arise in the course of the case. Okay. The Chow declaration is for purposes of today's bidding procedures motion. Let me ask, does anyone wish to cross-examine Mr. Chow regarding the content of his declaration? Okay. I hear none. The declaration is admitted uncontroverted. Thank you. Your Honor, the bid procedures are relatively straightforward. I'm happy to walk through any aspects of them that you'd like, but if not, I think maybe what's more productive is to walk through the changes that we've made and address how we've resolved the two objections. Yes, because I, candidly, I read your proposed order and I had comments on it, but I was just handed, before I walked in here, 
a revised order and a revised bid procedures. So I would appreciate you walking through it and resolution of objections as well. Sure. Yeah, we thought it was close. Let me just grab the red line. No, I was in court all day. Do you have a red line? I do. Okay, fantastic. So as I said, we're fully resolved in all the issues. We got informal comments from the U.S. trustee. We also, there were two responses filed by Bittrex as well as the committee. We resolved the issues with, before I go to the red line, we resolved the issues with the U.S. trustee and Bittrex through modifications to both the bid procedures and the order. Similarly, we resolved the committee's objections the same way, but there are two other pieces of our resolution with the committee, and I'll get into this in a bit in more detail. First, they've agreed to support a revised plan timeline, and again, I'll walk through that in a moment. And I know that's not on for today, but it's just part of an overall resolution for this piece of the case. And second, they've agreed to not oppose Galaxy Digital's retention as an investment banker if we make two adjustments to their proposed fee. So again, let me maybe just start with the red line, and then I can come back to the two sort of pieces that are not in this revised order. So let's start with the bidding procedures, if that makes sense. I'm going to skip over anything that you probably don't care to hear about, including change from the deletion of Houston division on the first page. So on page two of the red line, we added in, we moved this date just above October 3rd. I think it just, it was out of order. The footnote here is important. This is the crux of one of our resolutions with the committee. Basically what it says is that, as is typical in bid procedures, the debtors can modify anything they want, including the schedule. But if we are going to modify the schedule, we're going to give them notice. And the sort of guardrail that we've agreed to here is that this case will be over before the end of the year. And if for any reason we want to make a modification to this timeline that is going to push this case, push confirmation out beyond 2023, then we've got to come to the court and talk to your honor about why that makes sense. And they'll, of course, have their opportunity to oppose it. But if they, of course, consent to it, but if there's non-agreement. So that's basically what that footnote entails. And I appreciate that the debtor and committee are working together. On page four of the red line, subsection C, this was in response to a comment by the U.S. trustee. We originally were going to require some enhanced diligence for bidders to provide before we gave them access to the data room. And the U.S. trustee asked that we remove that, and we had no problem doing that. And again, thank you also for working with the U.S. trustee. Of course. I think most of the rest of the comments, and I'll just continue to flip through, are just committee consultation rights, which, again, are typical in bidding procedures here, including at the bottom of page four, getting copies of the bid documents. And please stop me if you want me to pause on any of these. Page five at the top, we wanted to protect the identities of the bidders. So basically the committee will be able to share with its constituents the structure, economics, basically everything about bids that are received. The only thing they cannot share, unless we agree to it, is the identity of the bidder. Based on our shared experiences in other cases, there are inevitably leaks of information, and that's the last thing that we want to happen in the closing sale process. 
page six, all consultation rights. Um, page seven has uh, just additional language on uh, the stalking horse designation, if there if there's going to be one. Okay, this is a this is a topic that I had an issue with. So you. I, um, one of the concerns I had was that I would not prospectively approve bidding protection. And so it looks to me that you've, you've modified that to require both a, a, a supplement, whether that be a notice or some type of supplement to your motion, as well as a declaration in support of the relief sought. Is that correct? Uh, reading this quickly, that's how I read this. Yes. All right, and, and that's, you know, since the allowability of breakup fees and expense reimbursement like other administrative expense depend on the requesting party's ability to show that they were, fees were actually reasonable and necessary. That is why I cannot do it in advance. So I appreciate that this is consistent with the practice in this district. And I will set an expedited hearing if one is necessary. Page nine in the red line is the subsection H. You just clarified that um, by submitting a bid, you're agreeing to serve as a backup bidder. I think that was clear elsewhere. But just clean up. I think that's a very important provision. It is, particularly in some other crypto cases we haven't been involved in. Page eleven, uh, just notice provision. Page 13, this is another request, uh, I believe, by the U.S. trustee changing the five business days to uh, 48 hours. Okay, and that's not that's con more consistent with our local rules and practice, so that's acceptable. Uh, page 17, just jumping ahead here. No, I just bear with me one second. I'm looking at your fiduciary out. Okay. Okay, understood.
Yes. This is a nice modification. Which one? About when you need to identify. Yes. Thank you. Um, paragraph four is a new addition. You'll, you'll probably remember that there was a lot of discussion about what is property of the estate and how we're handling that. Um, this is to resolve the objection filed by Bittrex. Um, they just wanted to make sure that to the extent we're selling assets, we're not selling anything that's not property of the estate. And effectively, what this does is preserve everyone's rights to come in and argue that uh, something is or is not how does that impact the bids? I don't think it impacts the bids at all. It's a complicated question, probably better answered by the investment bankers. But from my perspective, this is not a case where a bidder is really placing a value on buying, for example, Bitcoin, right? We're not going to sell Bitcoin from the estate at a price other than what it's trading at. And so it's almost like buying the assets on a tax-free basis. I don't ultimately know whether those assets will be transferred to a buyer. That's really subject to discussions with the various bidders. But certainly it's something that's at the front of our mind in terms of how we're going to structure a bid. My only point is I don't think it's going to drive the process, right? Because really what we're talking about in terms of value of this company is the technology, the licenses, uh, not really the, you know, the, the Bitcoin or the other tokens that the company holds. Does that, does that make sense, Joanna? Yes. I just just looking ahead, where we're going and what potential issues arise is really my concern here. Sure. Maybe and, maybe. I, and I appreciate the objector's position, and I appreciate this as being a way to resolve it. I just want to make sure that it's not something that could chill bids or blow up the process. Understood, Your Honor. I don't think that's the case, and um, what I'll tell you is that since day one of this case, really before we filed one major work stream in this case is trying to figure out what is property of the estate and what is not. This case is a little different from the larger crypto cases, even though it's smaller. It's actually in many ways more complicated when it comes to property of the estate issues because this company had many different agreements with its customers that say different things about how property is going to be held and the way in which they held it is also different in many respects from the other cases. So it's a complicated question, but it's definitely on the forefront of our mind. It's something we're talking about. Thank you. Um, the rest on page, page seven in paragraph seven is consultation rights. <coughs> paragraph ten is cleanup. And then paragraph eleven uh, talks about the declaration that we just mentioned.
talking issues with Delaware, but I'm sure it would be lovely if there was more courthouses. There's a southern Delaware that's lovely. Okay, just additional clarification on these new contract procedures, I think, and then the deletion of exclusive for jurisdiction uh, in paragraph 21. So that's, that's everything that we've modified in the procedures and the order, Your Honor, that resolves, as, uh, as we understand it, the U.S. trustee's objections, as well as those filed by um, Bittrex and the committee. Um, I'd like to move on to talk about sort of the two other pieces of our settlement with, with the committee. So, as I said, um, the UCC has also agreed to not object to Galaxy's retention if we make two changes to their engagement. Um, this is obviously a little strange. We don't have a retention application on file for any of the professionals yet. Okay, I was going to say, I haven't seen retention yeah, application. And you wouldn't have seen it. And this agreement is only binding on the committee. And although it's a little bit strange because there's no retention application on file, it, in many ways it makes sense because both the committee, the debtors, and Galaxy wanted certainty about you know what the economics of the sale process are going to be. Um, and so you know, we all agree that it made sense to resolve this issue now. And certainly other parties' rights are, are reserved. Your honors, uh, your honors, your honors are going to need to review that retention application and make a decision on it. But this is just the committee agreeing to support, uh, or rather not oppose, Galaxy's subject to two important changes, which I wanted to read into the record. Um, the first is that, uh, again, you don't have the engagement letter, but there is a dip financing fee, as you might expect uh, in an investment banker engagement letter. That is going to be removed entirely. Uh, there will be no dip financing fee component um, of, for, for Galaxy to the extent that we pursue dip financing, and we may very well do that. It's going to be a topic of another discussion with the committee, and we'll have to come back to the second, Galaxy's engagement letter has a minimum transaction fee structure. As again, as you've probably seen in many investment banker engagement letters, uh, the fee is two million dollars. Um, and right now, the way it's drafted uh, is that that is payable no matter what happens. Is probably the easiest way to put it. Whether there's a plan confirmed, whether there's no no plan confirmed, whether there's a sale, whether there's no sale, uh, the committee uh, had some issues with that, and. The agreement is that for the scenario where there is no sale, uh, whether it's under a plan or whether it's a 363 sale, but you know anything else, that minimum fee will be reduced from $2 million to $750,000. Or stated differently, if there is a transaction of any kind, of any kind, the minimum fee will be $2 million. And so those are the two changes that we've agreed to make, that Galaxy has agreed to make um, in exchange for resolving this. Um, and again, the committee uh, has agreed that they will not oppose the retention application. And my understanding is that the uh, committee members have voted and, and support that. Um, the next piece of the deal with the committee, again, not related really directly to the bidding procedures, relates to the accelerated plan timeline. Uh, they have, the committee has agreed to not oppose our accelerated timeline uh, with some revisions. Uh, we will file that in advance of the conditional approval hearing. Um, I don't want to go through all the dates unless Your Honor would like me to do that, but we've pushed off some of the dates to give parties more time to object if needed. And I think ultimately where we land is a confirmation hearing on November 9th, of course subject to Your Honor's calendar. 
And so I'm not asking Your Honors to rule on any of this right now. I'm just telling you that one of the issues they raised was what the timeline looked like. The committees agreed um, to some revisions to that timeline, and that's what we're going to move forward with. So, Your Honor, with that, um, I'll, I'll cede the podium unless you have any questions to Mr. Stark. I'm sure he'd like to make some remarks, um, and Your Honor may also have some questions for him. Okay, thank right, you. Thank you, Your Honor. Stark. Robert Stark, Defense Bogenberg from Brown Revenue, which is just that well, yeah. and Your Honor knows me quite well. We're co-counsel, proposed co-counsel for the District Highways Committee. Um, we're skirting a little bit right now to give us an estimate of spring or this is what the case. I'm not entirely sure we um, agree with the exact way the strategy was presented, the discussion on compensation for galaxy stuff. I'm going to let the smarter people figure that out while I filibuster for another to get Donald Orlando. Um, I did want to say only a few things. Number one, to introduce the committee. Uh, we have a seven-person committee. Um, deeply invested, smart people, um, working already very hard on the case. Um, um, second, I want to offer the court a little bit of perspective right off the bat as far as the case is that it's a little bit odd, and maybe this will be helpful for the days ahead. And the skirting will continue in the background. Forgive me. No. No problem. Um, what the committee, as we sort of very loosely put in the papers, we don't really want to start any sort of battling off, off the bat. But our perspective is pretty clear, okay? Thoughtful, analytical, um, smart, Chapter 11, efficiencies key. And here's what I mean by that. You know, we do widget cases all the time. But this is a crypto case, right? Um, this is a crypto case. The lawyers here have done every single one of them. We have in, this, in these two lines here every single crypto case for the past several years in one facet or another. Okay, so we've seen it all. And here's, I think, what Your Honor can know from that collective experience. And I think maybe there's a disagreement, but I doubt it. Chapter 11 does not work. that's the regulatory space that still remains fairly vacuous, and so getting transactions done in that sort of environment is risky money. Maybe it's that the industry has not yet matured to a point where its first sort of flows through Chapter 11, um, it understands what that means. Or maybe it's the inherent anti-government spirit of the industry itself that makes the contracting, the resolution of issues, in fact, the business running before we got here different than what we've been doing for decades since the 70s, 80s. But it hasn't gone very well. And it hasn't gone very well in part because um, cases have pursued in stacked formats one strategy, then a different strategy, then a different strategy, each one costing an enormous amount of money, pursuit this way, pursuit that way, and yes, in Voyager, if you don't get that backup bidder, something bad may happen. If a Coindesk article shows that your bidder is maybe not capable of closing, you don't have that backup bidder ready to go. And the bankruptcy continues on and on and on. We're all veterans of that. We're also veterans of seeing an enormous amount of administrative expenses that we have to go back at the end of the case and say to the petitioner, it was worthwhile. In hindsight, maybe it wasn't. This case is going to be 
cases don't have enough background facts for a couple of different reasons. Number one is we're all a little bit callous from what we've seen in the other cases. We've learned a little bit. Number one. Number two is we're not a typical crypto company. What the courts have seen in Delaware and New Jersey and in Houston and New York are brokerage houses, banks, hot pods, mining companies. We're a custodian makes our business processes different because when people put their currency in one form or another with the debtor, it's supposed to be essentially held in custody, not subjected to brokerage risks or otherwise banking risks. So it should be streamlined, except it may not have been. We find out now that things were not necessarily kosher, pre-petition, hence allegations in Nevada that get the house management, bring in a receivership. Now that receivership is migrated into a new board of directors and now we leave the receivership into, into Delaware Chapter 11, but we don't have an operational business because Delaware shut us down with a cease and desist order. Nevada. Pause, pause, Nevada. My mouth is going ahead of my brain yet again. Um, right, so Nevada told us to stop doing business. So we're not running a 363 process of an operational business, we're a bundle of sticks. We need to move quickly. For no other reason, we don't have any money. This case is not funded very well. But actually, that's a useful organizing principle of this Chapter 11 case. Let's get on the same page. Let's not fight with one another as they were doing in all these other bankruptcy cases, all these crypto cases. And again, since we have those shared experiences, we can actually sit and meet in the middle relatively quickly. And that so far has been part of the our experience so far. Yes, we filed our objections saying, look, we want to know the speed and we want to know the cost of running things. And we want to do them not in stacked formats, but, but in, in parallel um, lines of work streams. Run your plan process, that's good. Run your MA process, that's good. But don't let one seek ahead of the other and get this case wrapped up before we get to 2024. Agreed. That's a first in a crypto bankruptcy. Okay? Let's get the costs that they align ourselves in terms of incentives. I'm sure there are people that don't like what we ask for in terms of negotiating dynamics, getting in bed, two million fees on the seven days. I'm very sure people didn't like that. But we said, look, we've got to get this done right at the forefront of the big procedures. What is the cost of this process? Because I don't want to be two months into this and then we're on over in front of you saying, I don't think the fee structure is appropriate and somebody gets up and says, you've acquiesced, you're stopped, you waived it. Get it done now so that we have rules of engagement so that we don't have problems going forward. That's our perspective there. Um, technical matter on Galaxy um, is that, I don't know where we come in, we may still have an issue on the, on the compensation amount. The, just to be very clear on the technical point, the committee, uh, we don't have a problem with Galaxy at all. I don't have the retention application, so I have no view on disinterestedness, conflict of interest, and right. those lines. All rights reserved on those all issues. Right. Thank you, Your Honor. All I'm saying is that in terms of the compensation structure that we've negotiated, this is acceptable to the committee as a, as a means to move forward, and we will not come back and revisit that point. But I don't know about those other committees. Are we, Your Honor, may I have a-, a Of course, take a okay. few moments. Do you need more than a few moments? Do you want me to leave the room? So.
don't we, um, 10, 15 minutes? Oh, I don't think we need Okay, 10, we'll take, 10. take 10. If you have to have a comfort break, take during the time too. And we'll just uh, reconvene at 10.04. Thank you. Thank you. We stand in the
Mr. Stark. So the deal on, on the 750 versus the 2 million, again, I'm not used to seeing um, financial advisors, bankers running a process, getting a success fee, let alone a multi-million dollar one, if it is a failure at the end of a process. But their monthly fees, and we have the actual engagement letters so we can use it for your audience to see it. But I'll tell you what it says. No, you could tell me because it's so not before me technically, I'm so. Your Honor, their, their monthly fee is $100,000, but for the first three months of the case, it goes down to $25,000, and that's very reasonable from a market perspective, um, $25,000 a month. Um, and the so, fee, and, but uh, the percent of, forgive me, Your Honor. No, I just, so, I'm tr I don't, this case recently filed like a couple weeks ago, right? We, are, we haven't even had that second days. So right. it's September, October, November, basically. Right. Okay. And, and Your Honor, again, our joint vision for this case is that we'll be largely over once we hit around December, right? So that's actually a very reasonable, from our perspective, proposal to make on a comparative relative basis. The percentages that we normally see for bank raising capital or, or transaction amounts, sort of aligning interests, given the nature of the case and how reasonable they're being on the monthly fees, that seems like an interesting spot. Here's where we sort of fall off the rails, and that is the $2 million gets paid even if this case crashes and burns, nothing productive comes out of the M&A process, and it's a liquidation, plan of liquidation, but it's really a chapter seven. That's where we said, listen, a couple of million dollars to run the option play doesn't seem like so the negotiation was move it down to 750 and we would support those economics. And they agreed to that. So in the, in the, in the idea, in one scenario where the M&A process did not produce anything of value accretive to the case, they would receive the compensation of 750 plus those monthlies, and that's 328A, they would be entitled to that. That would be effectively their minimum recovery to having run the option. And it's not perfect from our perspective, but it's reasonable enough, and we thought that that was a workable solution so that the option could be run and it was something that was related to what the business was. Okay? But, and this is where we kind of had a little bit of scurrying, the way that Mr. Asman phrased it was if there's a transaction, no matter what the transaction is, they get $2 million, not the $750,000. We said, well, wait a second now. Transactions are often defined as a transaction. It's a circular, circular and the plan of your organization, even one that's a liquidation is a transaction, and so therefore we end up having gotten snookered by agreeing to 750 that turns out to be 2 million, even if nothing productive happened out of the M&A process and the plan toggles to that liquidation. They clearly, that's not the deal. I think it really boils down to this, and hopefully this obviates the issue altogether. And I, and I hope that this is the answer. If not, we'll go back at it. But if, in fact, the M&A process does not succeed in the form of generating bids that is consummated in the 363 order or a plan, it has not 
produce a result that is actionable as a sale transaction in one format or another, right? That's a 750 scenario. Okay. If they if there is a transaction, I don't use the word circulation, right? But if there is something produced through the MA process that yields value, and I mean more than the two million that we're gonna be paying them, well of course they get the two million, not the seven hundred and fifty thousand. They were valued accreted and they should get their minimum funds for the two million sale. Meaning yield value such as a three sixty three sale or a plan, plan that, that has a sponsor, has a funder, has a buyer, and we toggle under the plan and, and there's more there's more than two million dollars of incremental value brought to the table because of their efforts, that's an easy scenario too. They get their two million. Where we fall into the gap space is where there is some form of outcome that is the product of their efforts, but is, a, but is somewhere between the zero and the two million. We sell some deck chairs on the Titanic and we made a million out of it. That's not a very good outcome, right? Why would they get two million instead of one million of work? Now, I think the solution, because I mean, how many angels can we put on the head of the pin today? I did procedures hearing when the retention application is not even before your honor, right? Is that there's an element of self-help in all of this. Galaxy deserves a break. They need to move forward today knowing that they had to deal with the deal and the economics. <coughs> We're not going to draft up an engagement letter in case they decide that's 40 pages long of are you still in the protocols? That's going to turn that quick, right? But the one thing that we do have here, and it is a saving grace, is the fact that the company has filed a plan, admittedly without discussing with this person, keep the calendar to get us out of bankruptcy by year. We're the only impaired exception class. They're not going to confirm a plan and cram it down on us. Okay? And this case is thin. They don't have ability to run to plan one, it fails, they get a plan two, right? So we're going to be talking in the days ahead, Monday. Monday, your meeting, I recall. Yeah, and we're going to sit and we're going to talk about these things. Obviously, if there is a plan toggle that anticipates selling some chairs off of the Titanic for a million dollars, but we have to pay two million, we're not going to be supportive of that plan toggle. So I'm assuming that the self-help regime will be under that scenario that that plan's not going to move forward, at least with that toggle, and we can resolve it that way, that we don't need to hold up the big procedures and Galaxy can have its surety moving forward. Um, but I, I'll see the podium back to Mr. Adams and see if I have stated it in a way that he doesn't agree. Your Honor, Karen Adams from the Chairman for the debtors. Um, it's a little unusual, right, because we're not asked, I can't ask you to uh, adjudicate a dispute we have. Right. Uh, it's not before you. And so I think for purposes of today, um, after the hearing, I really need to speak with Galaxy because I think where we are aligned is, and just to repeat Mr. Stark's words, and he'll have to stand up again and correct <coughs> me if I get it wrong, but we are 100% aligned on all but one scenario. We are aligned that if there is a Chapter 11 plan of liquidation, and no sale of any kind, whether under 363 or other under that plan, then it is $750,000 for the minimum. Um, we are aligned that if there is a conversion or a dismissal, they earn their 750 minimum. We are also aligned where 
there is a sale, whether under 363, otherwise a plan sponsor arrangement, anything that generates proceeds in excess of $2 million, then they get their minimum $2 million fee. And again, I think where we're just we're struggling to come up with all the greater horribles, and I think that's probably the most difficult thing. I don't think it's so much of a disagreement as opposed to frustration and not having a simple solution to address it, but the zero to two area. But there may be scenarios in which they produce a sale at 1.8 million for the whole company, and they did all the work to do that. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think Mr. Stark is standing, saying today that definitively we wouldn't get it, but he's saying that's an area where he's not sure that makes sense, and I understand that and appreciate it. So. I think for purposes of today, we're as aligned as we're gonna get. Um, and I'm gonna talk with Galaxy to see if we can come up with something specific and concrete because certainty is what everybody craves, including me. Uh, and so we'll, I don't know if it's gonna come in the form of stipulation or anything like that, but for purposes of today, I don't think I can ask you to, to really do anything on this other than listen to us. I don't think I can do anything today. And, and let me also add, I mean, there are other parties who may express interest in the issue. Absolutely. And so. Galaxy is aware of that. So with that, Your Honor, I think I think we're okay unless you want to But I think, anything. you know, look, you're very talented lawyers and you have a worthy adversary. I'm sure you all will reach an agreement on something. I think so too, Your Honor. Um, with that, I believe that's everything. Oh, that's a good point. You know, I apologize because I was kind of waiting, to, I think, to hear back from the committee and I got tied up on other matters. Um, I will say my calendar is really ugly for the rest of the month. Um, you filed it Friday, right? Very late, I think, at 11.59 maybe. But yes, Friday, technically. And I think you were looking for it like on the 20th? Is the, I'm talking off the top we of my are, head. The, so as part of this resolution, we're moving some things out. So what we're looking for for the conditional approval hearing date is Monday, October 4th. Is that right? Oh, I'm sure it's Monday here, but I guess that's Wednesday the 4th. October 4th is the date. I, I just think I got Well, date. I'm sorry. I, I thought you wanted... You want a hearing on your solicitation procedures, correct? Yes. Yeah. And so you're looking at the 4th? Yes, October 4th. Oh, I just gave that day away for a trial. Um, could we do the 5th? The fifth is not a holiday, it's a Thursday. Okay. The ninth is a federal holiday, and the 25th is a Jewish holiday. Mr. Cootie, is that okay with the U.S. trustee? Because I know the U.S. trustee had raised issue with shortening notice. But at this juncture, I'm not sure that's shortened. Yeah, good afternoon, Your Honor. Joseph Cootie for the United States trustee. 
is that you have a interim disclosure statement hearing on the 5th of October. I don't believe that's working. Yeah. So we would be fine with that. Okay. Um, Mr. Logano, I'm going to have to ask you to move another hearing, but we, could we do 2 o'clock? Let's do 2 o'clock on October 5. We're talking about it. Uh, let me just count days for a minute here. I'm not sure until it's shortened any longer. You could just schedule it. Just schedule it. Okay. Uh, if it's if it is shortened, I'll orally approve the short notice, given the consent of all the parties. But it looks to me like it's 22 days out, so we should be okay. You'll get that notice like today? Yes. Okay, thank you. Oh, sorry. Okay, did, any, uh, did anyone else wish to be heard with respect to bid procedures? Okay, I take it that all objections have been resolved. No objector wants to be heard. If you do, I know there are people on Zoom. Now is your opportunity. Okay. Uh, hearing none, I'm prepared to enter the revised bid procedures order with a few modifications. Um, I'm satisfied based on the facts and circumstances presented, including the child declaration, which has been admitted into evidence without contradiction, that entry of the order approving and authorizing bidding procedures will facilitate a process that maximizes value of the assets. Also, um, the timeline is revised that has been laid out. Um, given the lead up today and the processes, as is expected to go forward, um, is sufficient and appropriate to implement a sale and marketing process that, again, will be designed to conduct a process for a value-maximizing transaction. Um, so with respect to modifications to the proposed form of order, and I'm going to have to compare it to the order that I looked at earlier. I am going to work off your red line and I'm going to work off it simultaneously with my other comments. So I want to make sure. Okay. Um, I had asked that uh, I had commented in my sense. I, I was going to ask you to change your title, but I see that you've done that. Um, exit paragraph E, I was going to ask you to delete what you have done. With respect to the deadlines, the committee is in agreement with the proposed process time deadline. Does the United States trustee have any comment? I assume you do not. Okay. Um, I have an issue with October 13 for a sale hearing, if there is one. I am not in town that week. so. I believe when I first looked at this, I was looking at 
Would October 18th work? That's three additional business days. And I can give you any time that you want on the 18th. Yes. I, I didn't realize that NCBJ yes. October 13th, so I think a number of us will, will be there. So that's a, a good idea. Okay, and unfortunately I had other things on the 16th and 17th. So I don't know if there's a preference by the parties in terms of travel or east, west coast, but want to do 11 a.m.? 11.30. Okay. Yes. In this building? Sorry, Mr. Stark, I couldn't hear you. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, so we are supposed to be at another, before another Delaware bankruptcy judge between 1.30 and 12.30 that day. Could we do the afternoon if we possibly? 1.30 or 2? I'm free the whole day, so whatever. Whatever. Okay, we I will certainly please schedule for two o'clock. Okay, thank you. So that's October 13th, I mean 18th at 2 p.m. Okay, um, bear with me a second. With respect to paragraph eight in the black line, and this is really just a practical comment, it requires notice of an election to cancel the auction within two business days. Is that practical? I don't, it's, it's a shall. I just don't want to restrict you if, Probably not. I, I mean, I just want to be realistic. Why don't we just say it's You'll, okay as soon as practical. Sure, yeah. Because I'm concerned the deadline's gonna box you in. I appreciate that. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at paragraph 10. Um, I, I, I will say that generally in these situations where I'm approving a, a, a bid protection at a hearing subsequent to a bid protections hearing, that I generally schedule a very short hearing on it. Um, I don't generally allow it under CERT simply because I wanna make sure there's a, a sufficient evidentiary Foundation, but I'm going to wait till I see the declaration in this case. But if it, if something is filed, it will or required, it will be pr done promptly. And then paragraph 14, and it might be a different number now. This had to do uh, with the service issue. And you had three days and I was gonna suggest two, given the truncated process, but you've expanded the process, so I'm good, I can live with it given the new schedule. Which paragraph are you on? 
It's um, it's actually 15 now. It's three business days entering the order to serve things. I had, was going to suggest two, which oh, is yeah. our standard. Yes. But Thank you, then this is, um, I'm going to raise this question to Delaware lawyers. Paragraph 19 in the black line, procedures for complex Chapter 11 cases. Does that exist or is that a Texas thing? Okay, well, I think we can stick the local rule. It's a Southern District of Delaware thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maintaining a sense of humor is important. So I think you can just say local rules, the local rules. Okay, I just was making sure that I wasn't sitting up here not knowing of a, a process that we had. And with that, with those modifications, if you submit a clean and black line under certification of counsel, we'll get it entered. Is there anything else for today? Um, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Oh, you don't? When are your second days? Um, yeah, you could use an omnibus. I only have you down for an hour. So if that becomes problematic, if you could reach out, that would be helpful. Okay? All right, thank you. Anything else? Okay. Thank you all. I apologize for the delay in starting this afternoon, but I appreciate everybody's time. Everybody have a good day, and uh, we'll see you soon. We stand adjourned.